Hi, this is Steve. And this is Lisa. Uh, and you've tuned in to our podcast called I Married a History Teacher. How you doing tonight, Lise? Doing great. Looking forward to, this, to whatever story you have to share. Oh, great. Good. I hope our listeners are, too. <laughs> uh, we're coming at you tonight from our uh, studio in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we didn't get a chance, me and Jet, to talk again about what the hell we're going to name our channel. Um, so we're going to skip that. Excuse me. Okay. This is the third time in a row that you have not included me in these conversations. Well, that's because it didn't exist this time. All right. But you didn't even, I could tell you just said me and Jet. You got to, you got to think, wow. it, this is the problem. You got to think in the threesome. Uh, well. Do I? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Depending on the scenario, I will allow you to think, uh, in threesome terms in this specific instance. Okay. Yeah. Lisa. And anything to do with food too. Like I don't mind like three of like well, I usually have three eggs actually. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna keep going. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna plow right through that one. Um Lisa, I just had a sip of this wine we were drinking. It is truly terrible. Well, I mean, you have to know that from the label, right? J- it's called jam jar and then it's labeled sweet shiraz, which is just any oof. I I mean we're not big sweet fans to begin with when it comes to alcohol. Yeah. And um, if you're going to, like, explicitly say sweet, like, hey, guys, this is for if you really like sweet wine. Like, that's bad. Where did this yeah. even come from? Uh, our Airbnb guests left it here. Uh, yeah, I don't know why I said that, but it's obvious. Yeah. Um, it tastes like like liquefied <laughs> strawberry jelly. Yeah, I mean, well, it's actually been very aptly named, Jam yeah. Jar. I, I mean, we're the suckers for drinking it when we knew exactly what it was going to be. Yeah, I guess that's true. Or we're just cheap and gross. Um, that's how we head around. It, isn't it funny how, like, most of our Airbnb guests have terrible taste in food and booze? Um, I don't think we should go too far down this path. I think oh, this you think might, we're going to sound bougie? This could make us sound very bougie and uppity. I thought we were just going to be honest about ourselves, though. <sighs> yeah. That's what the world needs more truth. I'll, I'll say You this. can have bougie I... taste in food and wine without being a bougie spirited person more broadly speaking sometimes you can compartmentalize i will say this i don't want to go too far into it i won't comment on food but people leave behind alcohol a lot and nine out of ten times it is barely drinkable 9.5 out of 10 times like yeah like it'd be better as like a joke gift at a party Yeah. yeah like somebody left one of our first guests ever left Red berry vodka Ugh. for us as a gift. Oh, we shouldn't tell this story. This makes us so mean. Though. Well, sorry, but I can't drink red berry vodka. I can barely drink vodka. And it wasn't a real gift. It was clearly they were drinking a bunch here and they didn't get to the red berry vodka. So I'm not like, being okay. like nice <laughs> gift, idiot. Yeah, I guess so. I'm yeah. saying like There's it was no like bow. a fake gift. Yeah. But like we still have it and it was probably three years ago. So if any of our friends are listening, next time you're uh, in Baltimore with us and you want some red berry vodka, it's yours. I feel like there was some kind of cream based something too that was particularly gross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Cream based liquor. Yeah. Anywho. This was a weird, unexpected tangent. Uh, <laughs> to get to our um, admin stuff for the day. I think that I need to do a shout-out that is long overdue. We oh. probably should have done this shout-out uh, the first episode we ever published. Um, but when we first started doing episodes, we really didn't know what the hell we were going to publish. 
But a big shout out to our boy Josh for designing our oh, wow. um, yeah. our graphic. Yes. Um, for our podcasts, um, I just sent Josh um, my idea and a bunch of pictures from our wedding, and he put it together in a way that was way cooler than I imagined. Yeah. So thank you very much, Josh. Yeah, he nailed it. It's like one, you know, like sometimes you work on projects and you send them over, and you're like. Well, people are gonna think. I don't know if Josh thought that, but when we opened it, we were like, "Nailed it!" Yeah, nailed it. No tweaks needed. It was just, it was great work. So thank you, Josh. You're the best. Yeah, absolutely, Josh. Very talented dude. Mm. All right, now for our topic for the night. Oh my god, this wine is so bad. <laughs> it is. I mean, I'm gonna keep drinking it because well, it's yeah. our tradition. It is our tradition. But it's, it's bad. Yeah. It tastes it's- like juice left out in the sun or something oh my god you know that is actually more accurate yeah than your first one yeah. that's what it is mm-hmm. yeah but also somehow very cold because we've oh did they leave it in the fridge yeah hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. that's why you didn't see it, it was left in the yeah. fridge okay sorry go ahead um yeah but let's get to it so lisa tonight is a, mm-hmm. another special episode Right? I mean, Another not that every episode is special, you know? Okay. Just like millennials, you know, every one of them is special. It's true. That's why they make their own podcast. Right. <laughs> to share it with the world. Yes. Exactly. Oh, uh, but tonight is special because this is a history podcast, yeah. but I actually didn't only teach history. I taught you as government, too. So I don't want to say this is going to be a political podcast because it's not going to be like we're not going to be arguing politics here. Mm-hmm. But this is something that aligns with a, a U.S. government curriculum mm-hmm. that will touch on politics. Luckily, I did not pay any attention in government either. Beautiful. Yeah, I was much more of a of a math English lady. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. And just to be fair to my lovely wife here... She is very smart, and when it comes to politics, and she follows the news now, and she understands modern politics, we're going to be talking about the history behind it that you're probably unfamiliar with, though. Yeah, yeah, no, I, nothing pre, ooh, when am I going to date myself to? When did I really get into the news? Um, And the world. I'm going to say 2010, pre-2010. Okay, sure. Yeah. You've had an eight solid years. Uh, Yeah, nine, nine now. Yeah. Oh, it's 2019. It is, indeed. Look at that. Yeah. Time flies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But let's get to it, because uh, what we're going to do, Lisa, mm-hmm. we are going to talk about political parties. Okay. But not in the way that you think we are. Okay. All right? Because, again, this is a non-political, non-biased podcast, at least to the best we can. Yeah, I mean, everyone tries their best, right? Right. It's impossible to not be at least somewhat biased. We're human beings. We're very flawed people. But we do the best we can. We do the best we can. Okay. But we aren't legit talking about Republicans and Democrats that much. What we're going to talk about is two-party systems, Lisa. Uh, And we're going to tell the story of why we have a two-party system in the United States of America. Ooh, okay. This I am looking forward to because I feel like we've had a lot of conversations about that as of late um, and the flaws of it. Right. And I don't know if all of our listeners even realize this because it's so ingrained into American society. We have such a strong two-party system. Yeah. Most governments, most democracies do not have a two-party system. Yes, I do remember slowly realizing this when I did get my snippets from international relations about government and whatnot, um, is, is how different 
a lot of the world has in there is a lot more representation, which, but it makes it very confusing to understand because when you come from such a almost black and white, like it's either this party thinks this and the other party thinks the opposite. Um, and it's all very majority based. It's really confusing when mm. it's not that way. Um, just to follow the politics. And I mean, even trying to follow Brexit. Oh my goodness. Right. I mean, that's, there's a whole, whole situation with all the little factions within. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. I'll let you can continue. <laughs> no, you're fine. But anyway, yeah, so what you were getting at is that a, a large amount of democracies in the world right now, I'd probably say the most common ones, they have something called uh, proportional representation. Proportional, okay, that's right. That's what you were looking for, yeah, right? Yeah, So f- to simplify, if 10% of a random country um, is like votes a certain way. Let's mm-hmm. say votes Republican, just for like a generic term. Ten percent of the country votes Republican, mm-hmm. then they will have ten percent representation in that country. Yeah, and that's not how things work here because we are a two-party system. Things are totally different. Right, and the other confusing part of that is the presidential element because a lot of these ones, including the UK, right? It's the party that has the majority that's able to actually elect the prime minister. It's not a popular vote. Correct. Uh, obviously here there's like two separate things so that is also like a bit confusing it is (laughs) it is indeed but uh, that's a great it's a great opportunity for me to say right now that we're going to over oversimplify a lot tonight okay it's gonna be a lot of oversimplifying okay Okay, just for keeping things simple yeah that's usually what it's for (laughs) yeah i just said simple about three times in six words that's just good potting right there. Good That's potting, just good, good pot. brain. <laughs> but yeah, so let's get to it here. Um, Lisa, mm-hmm. let's talk Constitution. Where in our Constitution, oh. all right, did we say, and there will be two parties, Republicans and Democrats? Oh, nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> trick question. There's no mention of political parties whatsoever, okay, in our seven articles nor our 27 amendments it's not a single mention of it lisa not only is there no mention of political parties Mm -hmm. the founding fathers all those geniuses that wrote our constitution they really are just like so impressively smart i love them they're great (laughs) it's it worked out incredibly for us that they all lived around the same time too it's it's incredible yeah. i mean to be honest my knowledge of them is like swiss cheese based on what you've been able to fill in and embarrassingly the musical hamilton um sure. but, don't be embarrassed by that but, i think there's probably a lot of people that feel the same way oh, okay good uh, um, but from the more i learn the more impressed i am with them anyways right. anyways so. so um these dudes right mm-hmm. There's a real, real intense reason why they weren't in the Constitution political parties. Because they actively, many of them very actively, did not want anything to do with political parties. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right? So, a couple examples. James Madison, who's actually my favorite American ever to live. Uh, He was the main author of... Oh, excuse me. uh, Behind Lisa Rudolph. I meant historically (laughs) speaking. Historically speaking. I know, speaking. but that's such a good opportunity uh, to make a mediocre joke. Yeah, right. Can't miss any opportunities <laughs> for, for okay jokes. Um, but anyway, he wrote, he was the main author of something called the Federalist Papers. I won't get into too much of those because we're going to have to do our own episode on the Federalist Papers. I know. I feel like I bring up a lot of things and you're always like, well, in the Federalist Papers. And I'm like, yeah, you really got to read those. <laughs> yeah. And you don't necessarily need to read them. There's like four or five of them you should read. Okay. Um, and what, I mean, basically just quickly summarize them. 
they're basically these papers that were written by three guys. The main author by far who wrote the most of them was James Madison, mm-hmm. um, fine Virginian man. Um, <laughs> and in one of these papers, oh, sorry, I didn't say what they were. They're to get people to ratify the new constitution. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there was a big ad campaign in newspapers, essentially, but it's some of like the best, most incredible, like democratic writing that's ever been written. Were these Federalist Papers? Wow, and, and sorry, can I just ask another question? Sure. Um, so when I imagine something like very academic, and um, I, I would imagine like a bit flowery, and I don't know, just a, a whole heck of a lot to digest and, and read. I would imagine that not the whole population is reading them and voting based on them. Is that the case in that scenario? Or back then, was everyone, because it was kind of like a new colony and whatnot, had the same literacy rates and all were reading those things and were influenced by the same, by the same things? I don't, I, I mean, I honestly don't know the answer to that question. Really, this is one of the examples where we can figure yes. it out and say in the beginning of the next one. We haven't done that yet. We haven't. Okay. That was one of our rules in the beginning that we decided. If, yes. we, if we came across something that we didn't know the answer to, we would say, tune in next time. Yeah. I will say this. This is the one point that, uh, piece of evidence I have. Okay. I think a lot of people read it. And the reason I think a lot of people read it okay. is um, Thomas Paine wrote a little pamphlet in 1776 uh-huh. called Common Sense. And, yes, I have heard of that. Right? And yeah. a lot of people have heard about that. It was like why we don't need a king anymore, basically. Mm. Yeah. And it was read by almost every American colonist. Okay. So I would imagine that these Federalist Papers are getting a good amount of reading. Okay. But we really need to move on. Because okay, I, I, I was going to talk about the Federalist Papers for about 15 seconds. I know. I got now too excited. Now it's been like four minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, but anyway, Federalist Paper number 10, which is arguably the most famous of all, James Madison goes on this long rant about how we can't have a government with factions. Factions is what they used to call political parties. Mm. And he basically says... Factions are terrible for a, a democracy because what that's going to happen is is that people are going to start acting in a group in mass, mm-hmm. okay, for their own self interests yep. at the harm of the functioning democracy as a whole. They're brilliant. They're they're, just, they know all the answers, and they, we didn't listen to all of them. But dude, they said this shit when there weren't even democracies around. It's they incredible. just foresaw it coming, and it's incredible. God, I know. This is the kind of stuff that you hear about, and you're like, mm-hmm. wow, this, like, if you don't believe in greater happenings, like I feel like that's like the best best yeah. argument of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another example real quick, George Washington, first president for two terms, obviously, mm-hmm. on his farewell address, yeah, he states, I see our government moving towards factions and I just have to say this. And he goes on a rant very similar to James Madison's. We shouldn't form political parties. Political parties are horrible for democracy. Right? God, it's just, it's brilliant. It's so brilliant. Because if you think about everything that's going on in Congress right now, it, it's really not based on, on what it really should be, which is that you're in Congress to represent your local district and you're voting based on that primarily. That is secondary to Lisa, parties. you're getting too Sorry, politics. I know. Okay, right? I, this is a problem because I'm really we got We got to stay non-biased, okay? Oh, we well, stay. To, I think everyone could agree they'd like Congress to work more functionally. Sure. So fine. That's but great. Anyways. You're just walking a thin line. I, yeah, that's what I do, though. They call me Lisa Thinline Williams. That, yeah. Or Rudolph, you know, depending. Yeah. I guess we were giving up on not saying our you last name. You started names. earlier, yeah. I yeah. Gave it up, yeah. Whatever. Oh, I know whatever. people won't really notice. Yeah. 
anyway, all right. So here, that is a that is a very important point, I think, just to understand about our culture, right? Is mm-hmm. that we were not designed to have a two party system. What the founding fathers did do, mm-hmm. right, is they designed a voting system. Mm-hmm. Okay, that accidentally created a mathematical inevitability to form two political parties. Yeah. What? So yeah. this isn't like a history story, Lise. Yeah. It is a mathematical inevitability. Wow, okay? combining your two greatest strengths. Yes. <laughs> history right. and mathematics. Talking math. Okay? <laughs> I don't know math, but I do know this. No, I don't. All right? The, what they did here is they created something, a voting system. It's called first past the post. Okay. Some people call it winner take all. But it essentially just means whoever gets the most votes wins. And everyone who doesn't get the most votes, nothing happens. They're just done floating off to their home states. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. And we do this in all of our elections. Mm-hmm. All right? There's all sorts of alternative elections out there. And we do this in every single one from our Congress, from local governments to the president. It's all first past the post voting. Whoever gets the most votes wins, and whoever comes in second gets diddly squat. Okay, but can you give an example of something that could be shared? Because obviously when you're thinking about running for mayor, you're either our mayor or you're not mayor, right? So when you're talking about uh, first positions, like uh, one position, sorry, one position, which is usually like your executive, okay, then you are going to have one winner, right? But it's the alternative for like Congress would be proportional voting. The pr- proportional representation that we just talked about. Then let's move on. Right? Let's move on. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, here's what happens when we're voting for the executive in the United States. And I'm even going to simplify it here. Okay. And I'm going to try to give you this example. And I usually give this lesson back in the day with a lot of visuals. And obviously, this is a podcast, so visuals are going to be difficult. Okay. Okay. But here's what I want you to picture of how mathematics leads to us inevitably having two parties only. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, for a visual, I need you to picture, Lisa, what was your favorite color growing up when Lisa was a little nerd? Literally, I would answer rainbow. That's right. <laughs> All right? <laughs> so, I want you to picture the colors of a rainbow, okay? But to simplify things, instead of Roy G. Biv... Mm-hmm. I want you to just picture a color wheel that has Roy G. B- b- all right, red, orange, yellow, green, and purple. It's a, <laughs> oh, it's a basic color wheel. You know, it was just such a noise that came out of you. Well, there's no <laughs> vowel in between the B and the P for blue and purple. No, no. <laughs> so I have to call him Roy G. B- <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have to make you do that again later. That's funny. <laughs> now, okay. All six of those colors, Mm -hmm. right? They're representing a different party. Yeah. Okay? Mm -hmm. And they're all running for president. And whoever gets the most votes is going to win. Now, of course, in the United States, we have stuff like runoff elections and stuff like that. We're going to ignore that for the sake of this exercise. Okay? Nip that in the bud. Yeah, nip it in the bud. Yeah, sure. Now, (laughs) here's what's going to happen all six colors are running. Yeah. Let's say red and green, opposite colors, right? They're the extremists. They're the they have the most hardcore like principles and out there ideas. Mm-hmm. All right. So those two parties, red and green, 
All right, they're only going to get 10% of the population. All right, mm -hmm. the other colors, which are orange, yellow, blue, and purple, mm -hmm. those four parties are all going to get around 20%, give or take one or two percentage. Yep. Okay, now let's say that yellow wins. They get 22% of the vote and they win, and we have President Yellow. Yay! Yay! Right? That's election number one. Yeah. You with me? Do you have any questions about this? No. Okay. I'm with you. Now, Let's go to election two, four years later. Ooh. Okay. Red and green have realized that they have no shot at winning. Mm -hmm. So what do red and green do instead? They like open up a franchise of a subway, go a different route. <laughs> Just give or tie up politics. politics. Yeah. No, I was thinking about voters. Like, so the red and green voters, what are the red and green voters going to do? Because their party's candidate's not going to win. They're not going to vote for that person. So what do you think? If you like support red, you're like team red, and then the party dissolves, what are you going to do? I am going to see who has... I know this isn't the right answer. I'm just going to figure out who has the closest, closest aligned values to red. That's absolutely the right answer. Oh, fabulous. Okay. So red voters are now going to vote for candidate orange. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then the green voters are going to do the same thing. They're going to go vote for candidate blue. Okay. Right? Because they're the most closely aligned to them now that their real party has been dissolved. Yeah. Well, it's a spectrum, you know, and they're exactly. close to Exactly. You get it, right? It's mm. a color wheel. It's a spectrum. Mm -hmm, it's all mm -hmm. the same thing. Okay. Right? So then what's going to happen is that red and... Sorry, the purple and yellow voters are going to stick to their 20% of the population, give or take 1% or 2%. Mm -hmm. Okay. However, the orange and the blue get a jump to around 30% of the population. Does that make sense? Because they just absorbed yeah. the 10% of voters that lost their political party. Yeah, see, now my brain's trying to combine the colors. And yeah, Dr. Marine back. No, no, do that. no, no. Don't do it, Lee. No, because yeah. it's not a combination. Yeah. They've just been, you know, dissolved yeah. and, and the other one is taken over. Yeah. All right? So, orange and blue of 30% of the population. And what's mm -hmm. going to happen is let's just say that orange wins by a couple percentage points. Yeah, squeaked by. All right, they just squeaked by, yeah. but they got the most votes. All right, now, for election number three, mm -hmm. all right, Purple Party and Yellow Party are still going to know that they are too far behind the, can uh, the candidates of the Orange and Blue parties. Okay. Who in last year's election got 10% more of the vote than they did. Yeah. So now what are those two parties going to do now that their parties are dissolving? The blue is going to go with the purple and the orange is going to go with the – or yellow is going to go with the orange. Yes. Okay. Yeah, something like that. You know what I mean. Yes. And I think everyone sees the point by they're now. They're close on the spectrum. Right? Yeah. So now we are down to two political parties, and yeah. that's it. And they both have around 50%, right? Yeah. Because the party that had 20% dissolved yeah. and joined the party yeah. that had 30% on both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. So now you have two parties that are both getting around 50% for every election. Uh-huh. And that's what happens when you do this first-past-the-post style of voting, okay? It doesn't matter that 10% of people love Party Red. That means Party Red is going to get absolutely nothing because, mathematically speaking, you need to get to around 50% to win an election the way we set up this country. Yeah. Now, just... Well, because all those parties gave up, though. If we just had a little bit more determination people stood their ground <laughs> didn't well, give up and 
I mean, if you think about it, you could say that, but you could also think that those voters were acting extremely rationally. They say, I have to do what's the best for me, and I can't just keep voting this way and losing all these elections. I have to at least go with the person who's, who's going to get some power that most aligns with me, right? Yeah, no, I understand. Now, I do have to say something else, right? Mm-hmm. And that once we have gotten down to our two parties... Mm-hmm. There's something called the spoiler effect that everyone is familiar with. They just probably haven't heard this term before. Mm-hmm. That the problem with this system is now that you have two parties only, right? And for this example, what was it? It was uh, the uh, orange and purple party. No, sorry. Orange and blue parties, mm-hmm. right? So party orange and party blue, mm-hmm. okay? If they have a member, like party orange has like a bunch of people that are starting to get fed up with their own party. Yeah. They can break away from the party, mm-hmm. start a third party, mm-hmm. but it's going to be closely aligned to Orange Party, but it's actually good for Blue Party if they split up. Right. It spoils the election. We've seen this happen all the time. Right. Yeah. This is, this is the thing that Americans are very familiar with. Yes, this exactly. The fear over, over the independence. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's like the green, like the literal green party, like they're super liberal and they love the environment, so they should be voting for Democrats. But every time they vote for Jill Stein, they're really casting a vote for Donald Trump, right? I mean, right. we've seen this happen a million times. Right. Um, and, and this is just sort of like the backside of what we talked about tonight. It's like we used to have a bunch of people who would run for presidents. We now always only have two and will never change as long as we have this system in place. You know, what's interesting, though, I, I'm going to walk the thin line again. But if someone were running a third party person let's say there was two establishment establishment democrat an establishment republican and then a third party populist okay. i thought i think that might change the game a little bit because if you you know because there's a lot, a lot of talk about how like people in like bernie's camp and trump's camp can be considered populist and and that's kind of pulling from both sides so it would just be interesting Nothing, no political statement. Now, Lisa, that is a great point, all right? That is an excellent point, Mm -hmm. okay? But we have something else in our system that screws that from happening. Oh, I think I actually know this because I feel like I I was coming to this conclusion a long time ago. Not, not, sorry, not that long ago. Um, Just thinking about, again, all of our political issues these days. Can I guess it? Please guess. Um, Is it the element of the president? I don't know what that means. The, you have the, to be more it, specific. It behooves the general public to have... Sorry, not the general public. The party... It, it, you want you, the president to be the same part, party as your congressional representative. Does that have anything to do with it? No. Okay. It is, again, math. Shoot. It is, again, mathematics. Okay? We also put something in place that it's... Yes, it's whoever gets the most votes, but what's the limitation to that? They have to get to what percentage? A majority. A majority, which is anything over 50%. Right. Okay. So it's 270 electoral oh, votes yes. to win. Oh, yes. Shoot. I did know this. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So if there are three really legit popular candidates that are floating around 33% of the population, mm-hmm. what we do is um, the top two vote receivers um, will get chosen. Like, um, I think it's House picks the president and Senate picks the vice president. 
that could be flip-flopped. I don't remember, but my point is there. So but... there's not a runoff in that scenario. Because in that scenario for, like, congress congressional stuff, that is a runoff, right? Yes, yeah, so for congressional stuff. And it's different by states and local governments. But in terms of the presidency, that goes to the House and the Senate to pick the winner. Has that ever happened in history? It actually has. It's a great question. Wow. Um, it happened in 1800, <laughs> which is actually the... Um, what was it? I think it was our fourth overall. It was our fourth overall election. So Washington wins the first two um, with total anonymous voting. He's the only president to ever win with an anonymously. Um, anonymous. Sorry, unanimously. Oh. <laughs> I was like, shit. Well, Least am I anonymous to know position of all time. I know. <laughs> Sorry, I get words mixed up in my head. He does. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, yes. unanimously. Unanimously elected. He is the only one to ever do it. Um, like literally no voter didn't vote for him? Is Every electoral vote. Oh, electoral vote. Okay, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Every electoral vote went to him. Wow. Um, wow. So God, people cast secondary votes back then. Yeah. And the secondary votes went to John Adams, who became our vice president. Mm-hmm. John Adams became the second president, and then in 1800, when we had, um, it was, came down to the top two vote receivers was Thomas Jefferson and Aaron Burr. Mm, who I only learned about from Hamilton. <laughs> right. Um, Aaron Burr was a psycho. I'm not going to talk too much about him, because he's going to make a great, like, even because they, they don't touch on in, in Hamilton, some great points about, about Burr that we can talk about. Mm. So, in what they called a crisis of 1800, mm. it came down to they were voting who the, the president was going to be. And because they had already started splitting into political parties, Congress was split 50-50. And they had to vote something like 37 times wow. before one of them would finally switch sides and guess who they elected instead. For the third president? Guess who won? Not for... Yeah, Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, "This is a softball, Lise. Come on!" Sorry, I was I was getting really caught up in the thirty-seven times and all the drama. That yeah, and that number could be wrong, but it was an outrageous, outrageous amount of voting. They were there for hours and hours, and then finally, someone switched sides. And of course, when he switched one, everyone was like, "Well, thanks a lot, Dick." You know, now we lost the election. He was like, "We had to do something," and they actually passed the Twelfth Amendment to completely change the way they voted back then. Because of the election of wow. 1800. Wow. Wow. Can you imagine something? Like, can you imagine an amendment happening right now? It seems crazy, it right? It seems so crazy. It hasn't been that long. It was back in the 90s when the last one was passed, but it was such like a silly little amendment that it, like huh. no one even remembers what it is. Yeah, what was it? I get them. I think the 27th Amendment, all it does is shorten the time between when a president is elected and when he takes office. I think that's the 27th Amendment. Huh. Again, there's a lot of amendments that don't really mean that much hmm. in terms of like, you know, our everyday court cases and stuff like that. Right. So they're hard to keep track of those ones. Hmm. Um, but yeah, there was one pass in the 90s. It just was a very sort of meaning I don't want to say meaningless they're all meaningful um but it wasn't one of the big ones that's argued every day in courtrooms across the country so okay. Okay. but Lisa that's why we have two-party systems <laughs> I want to end it with something really weird okay without a doubt the United States Constitution mm -hmm. is the most like mimicked constitution in the world 
is most modeled after whatever, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. It's also the oldest, so that's also quite clear, like easy to make it the most mimicked constitution. Right, true. Um, Yet somehow there aren't a million countries that have two-party systems. It was like something that they sort of figured out, I guess, maybe, I don't really know why, maybe it was trial and error and watching what happened in the United States and like doing it differently. But I just find that to be a weird fact. I mean, the Civil War, probably pretty good. Yeah, but a lot of the democracies started occurring before the Civil War. So, like, we switched over, like, after, like, you know, 1776, we declared the revolution, and then we wrote the the Articles of Confederation, blah, 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 whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So, basically, the late 1700s, many countries that were not democracies yet had been switched over by the 1830s or so. Okay. Um I just, why didn't they listen to him? I, why don't people, why don't more people talk about this? I mean, well, I feel like, for example, again, walking the line here, but Fox News loves talking about the founding fathers, right? And this it could be a, quite an interesting topic for them. I mean, it, it would, it is something that they could look at. And I, but I think, I think what we have gotten to, right? Mm-hmm. And this is just my opinion. Yeah. Is that the reason no one talks about it, no one cares that the founding fathers hated the concept of political parties is because we're too late. We're way too entrenched to ever do anything about it because to do something about it would most likely be parties writing themselves out of power. And that's just never, ever going to happen. Well, unless they do it accidentally. <laughs> well, sure, but I don't see that happening. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that is a shame. It is. It is kind of frustrating because, I mean, it's we've seen... We've seen a lot of issues, whether, I mean, uh, it sucks for Republicans and it sucks for Democrats both, when you want to see something taken care of, but party politics are getting in the way of that. Right, and, and, and I mean, that's the thing that I love about the American spirit. I just feel like everyone in this country is so productive and so focused on bettering things, and I, I mean, imagining our government fully functional and unleashed is, I mean, it's just such a wonderful thought. Never know. I'm gonna say positive. We'll see. All right. <laughs> I, I think that's a great message for all the listeners. <laughs> hey, stay positive out there. <laughs> oh, I'm a nerd. <laughs> all right. You want to sign off with anything? Is there anything interesting you want to talk about? You have a good weekend. I had a great weekend. I. Yeah. Uh... Why'd you have such a great weekend, Lisa? Because <laughs> uh, someone was at a bachelor party. And um, I got to hang out by myself and drink wine and watch movies you don't like. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad you had so much fun. <laughs> Every once in a while, it's just nice to well, Not hanging out with me, you know? You won't watch Mystic Pizza. That movie it's is awful. Movie. It's an it's awful so movie. Good. So good. God. I mean, I'm not getting an Oscar, but it's it's just, it makes, it's, it's got great nostalgia. It's like yeah. nostalgia and... In the bottle. Sure. Uh, you know what? I- I'm actually glad you had that time. To watch <laughs> Thank you. Glad uh, let me make my case. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of being gone, was in Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis, great town. <laughs> I mean, I'd say this about Memphis. I think it is incredible to visit for like a couple nights. Mm-hmm. Definitely worth seeing at one point in your life. Mm. I'm not sure I would tell people like, go spend a summer... Hanging out in Memphis. Yeah. I mean, you make all those other summer recommendations. 
And I wonder how you decipher. No, I'm just saying, like, it's not like, you know, know, just, for example, beautiful Baltimore, where you could be entertained day (laughs) in and day out. This is what it all comes down to. Yes. It's not trash every other city. It's not quite Baltimore, (laughs) but it is some great culture. That's a good point. What is really Baltimore, (laughs) you know? It's got some great culture, great music culture, some nice folks Mm. um, right on the river, big, big, mighty Mississippi. You know, yeah, it's good stuff. That sounds like you had a great time. Congrats to my man's Tim while we're talking <laughs> yes, about it. Very excited for the wedding. But all right, uh, that's it. That's it. Let's let's get out of here. We're sorry that uh, if you didn't like the political talk, um, hey, well, screw you because we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna do government talks too, and you can tune them out if you want. We don't care, you know. Yep. As Jay Z said once, said, "If you don't like my lyrics, you can press fast forward." He said that. In one of his rap songs. It's just very literal. Yeah. I mean, okay. He said it in regards to like people censoring rap music. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for listening again. We really do appreciate it, guys, and we appreciate all the awesome feedback. Yes, thank you. We love you. (laughs) We do love you. Uh, My name is Steve, and I was a history teacher. And my name is Lisa, and I married him.